What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. And with that being said, let's get to the content. All right, guys, welcome into a very special edition of this podcast. We're just going to have like a 15, 20-minute discussion real quick about Tyrod Taylor. I am 100% locked in on this guy, and I hope to be able to convince you of this right now. So let's get into it. Tyrod Taylor right now is a humongous value in any type of draft, any type, whether it's Dynasty and you're trying to find a second quarterback in a super flex league for this year, and you're just waiting on quarterback, whether it's redraft and you like the zero quarterback strategy, whether it's best ball and you can literally get him as your last pick. You can get him as your last pick in redraft as well. In dynasty, you can't because the person who gets Herbert is probably going to be looking to get Tyrod Taylor later on. You just got to snipe him. That's what I just did in one of my drafts. So here's the deal. Tyrod Taylor is much better than anyone seems to remember. He had three years in the NFL where he was a starter. All three of those years were in Buffalo. It was 2015, 2016, and 2017. 2018 was the season when he went to Cleveland. He only played two and a half games, then he got hurt. And Baker came in. Baker played good, so they left Baker in in his rookie year. That worked out for them. Then Tyrod became the backup. He left left Cleveland, then he became the backup in L.A. Well, Phillip Rivers never misses games. And so Tyrod didn't get hit a chance last year. Well, now Phillip Rivers is gone. They're saying they were extremely committed to Tyrod Taylor before the draft. Yes, they did draft Justin Herbert, but by no means have they said the job is Herbert's. They said it's a competition, and they said that they feel very comfortable with Tyrod Taylor. So amongst all of everything that's going on right now with the coronavirus as well, Tyrod Taylor has a year under his belt in L.A., Well, it was, no, it was LA last year too. Yeah, in LA. And their coach is somebody that has worked in the past and done it successfully with rushing quarterbacks. And Tyrod Taylor is that. But that's not all he is. So let me give you some quick stats. During his three years in Buffalo, which we know Buffalo has not been a good team for a very long time until very recently with Josh Allen. He had a 63% completion percentage over the three years, 11.4 yards per completion, and a 4.1% touchdown rate. All of those are about league average. So he was about a league average passer when he was in Buffalo, but he was an amazing rusher. He had 500 rushing yards each of the three years minimum. He averaged 573 rushing yards each year with five rushing touchdowns. For fantasy purposes, that is great. That's also very good for football in general because you have a dual threat quarterback. It opens up the passing game, opens up the running game because you have to worry about the quarterback running. But here's the best thing and the thing that the thing that I think is going to push Tyrod Taylor into the starter role and keep him there all season. He has one of the best touchdown interception ratios in the NFL over the last five or six years. He has just about a 3-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. Last year, Phillip Rivers 
had almost a one-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio. I believe it was 23 touchdowns to 20 interceptions. Whereas you have Tyrod Taylor, who had a 51-to-16 touchdown-interception ratio. That's just above 3-to-1, but I just averaged it down to 3-to-1. 51 touchdowns to 16 interceptions. That's amazing. The 3-to-1 ratio for that, for people that don't want to do math in their head, would have been 48-to-16. So he was actually better than a 3-to-1 ratio. The biggest reason, the biggest problem for the Chargers last year was the turnovers. Rivers, he's a great quarterback, and by no means am I sliding him in any way. But we have seen him decline. It's fair to say that. You can see dead balls in the air with no zip behind them, balls being underthrown. Anytime you watched the Chargers, you saw at least one or two of those passes every game from Phillip Rivers. And you saw at least one or two interceptions every game from Phillip Rivers where he had a receiver wide open that he was throwing to. And he just underthrew it. And somebody came in and scooped, uh, scooped the ball out of the air. Or he didn't underthrow it and it was fine, but it was in the air too long because he was lacking the zip. Well, Phillip Rivers has a 38-year-old arm. Tyrod Taylor has a 30-year-old arm. And like I just showed you before with the stats from when he was a starter in Buffalo with not a great receiving core, which we'll get to in a second, he is a decently accurate quarterback. He's about average in arm strength and all that stuff. So Rivers is much past average. He Not in a good way. He's much below average at this point in his career. And the interceptions... The turnovers in general from Phillip Rivers is what screwed the Chargers last year. They have an elite defense, and it got better. It got better. They signed Linval Joseph from the Vikings, the defensive tackle, and they signed one of the best corners in the league. He's a little bit older, which is why I think they got him at a good price. But they have a chance to go deep in the playoffs. I I really do think that. And they signed Chris Harris from the Broncos. So they added a great defensive tackle. They added a great cornerback. They have Derwin James. He'll be healthy. Joey Bosa will be healthy. They still have Melvin Ingram. They have so many weapons on that defense. Their defense is going to be top five. It's going to be elite. And then they also made the offensive line better from what Phillip Rivers had last year by signing the right tackle from the Packers, Brian Bulaga. So he's got a great situation, much better than anything he has ever had. All right, so I'm going to go back to Buffalo because... Yes, it was 2015, 2016, and 2017, and that may seem like a a long time ago considering the season that just ended was 2019, but that's all we have to look at. That's all we can work off of. That's the foundation that was built for us with Tyrod Taylor as a starter, so that's what we have to look at. So in 2015, his first year starting in Buffalo, his two receivers were Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods. Sammy Watkins had a great rookie year, but as we know the Sammy Watkins to be today, he was never consistently healthy. He was always playing through injury, and his rookie year was his best year. At least it seemed like it. Watkins has never been able to be consistent in any metric, and he's just not somebody that can be a reliable wide receiver one on a team. We've seen that, and that's why he's moved to the Rams and then to the Chiefs, and He hasn't been fantasy relevant in terms of being a wide receiver one or even really a wide receiver two. So 
with him as the wide receiver one in Tyrod Taylor's first year, that's not really great. That's about league average, I would say. Watkins was about a league average wide receiver one, maybe even a little bit worse. Then his wide receiver two was Robert Woods. Here's the thing. Robert Woods has been really good with the Rams, but, and these are questions I don't have the answers to, but was Robert Woods good when he was in Buffalo? Was he always as good as he is with the Rams and Buffalo didn't use him right? Or was he not as good? He developed and got better. And when he was with the Rams, we saw the fruits of his labor. I would say that he was probably... And I'm trying to be safe because I know what I'm saying about buy Tyrod Taylor, draft him. Even though it costs you nothing in fantasy drafts, I know it's a very big hot take. Especially me thinking that he's going to start the whole season. But... Because of this, I'm going to give you guys the safe side of everything. So Watkins and Woods, let's just say that was league average. Year one, he had league average receiving core with Watkins and Woods. And then his tight end was Charles Clay, league average tight end. He's not anything special. Year two, he had Woods again, and then Goodwin. What have we seen from Goodwin? Other than a six-game sample size where he was good with the 49ers. We don't see him on the field much, right? And was Goodwin anything ever more than somebody who can hit on the occasional deep play? I don't really see evidence showing otherwise. Then year three, and remember, so that was Woods and Goodwin. Year three, he had Kelvin Benjamin, who other than in his rookie season, where he was really good for the Panthers, just became a shell of himself. Oh, there are my dogs barking for you. Um, And... Kelvin Benjamin was, you know, after that season, just fell off the map in terms of talent. He just wasn't the same guy. That's why the Panthers got rid of him. That's why he ended up in Buffalo. And he we had he's not even on a team right now, is he? Like, I don't even know if Kelvin Benjamin's on a team. He's probably a free agent right now. So that shows you the level of talent that Tyrod was working with. Kelvin Benjamin was his um, one. And then his two is a guy that you probably wouldn't even know if I told you his name, who he was. He doesn't. He's not even in the league anymore, I don't think. So he has never had better than, at best, average receivers in Buffalo. At best. Now, now he has Keenan Allen, one of the best route runners in the game. Mike Williams, a very good complimentary wide receiver, too, who can go up and win 50-50 balls, pull down touchdowns, and he's actually been a very good deep threat. Then he has Hunter Henry, when healthy, definitely an upgrade over Charles Clay. And he has Austin Eckler out of the backfield, who's just as effective as LaShawn McCoy when LaShawn McCoy was in Buffalo. Because all three of those years, that is something that Tyrod Taylor had that was good, was LaShawn McCoy. But LaShawn McCoy wasn't the Phillies LaShawn McCoy. He was still better than most running backs in the NFL. He was above average, but he wasn't the elite LaShawn McCoy. He had one good fantasy season in Buffalo. So what have we established so far? So far, we've established that Tyrod had three years as a starter in Buffalo. He had, at best, average receivers and average tight end. He put up about average passing numbers, but don't forget, this is the X factor. He had over 500 rushing yards and five touchdowns on average over those three seasons, So what about fantasy? What about fantasy football? If he played 16 games in those seasons, 
he would have been the QB5 in 2015, the QB6 in 2016, and the QB14 in 2017. Why do I say the 16 games? Because he never played 16 games. In 2015, he played 14 games, and he was the QB16. And if you took his average of those 14 games and gave that average over his 15th and 16 games, he would have went all the way up to QB5. And then he was the QB6 um, in one of those years, and I believe he stayed as the QB6 if you gave him his last game. And then he was the QB17 and if in 15 games, and if you gave him his last game, it would have made him the QB14. So you're telling me two out of three seasons where Tyrod Taylor was a full starter on a team that did not have nearly as many weapons as he has now, he was a QB1. And it wasn't even a back-end QB1. It was a safe QB1. QB5 and QB6. You're telling me you don't want to take a shot on that with your last pick in a redraft league? I really don't see what possible pick you could take at the back of a draft that one has as much potential and two, you will know if the potential works out right away. Because here's the thing. What if you think that there's somebody who has huge potential at the running back position? Oh, if, if you know, blank goes down, this running back is going to be amazing. So I'm going to take him as my last pick in every draft. Well, guess what? You're going to have to wait for that running back to go down. And you're going to have to leave that running back on your, uh, on your roster all year hoping for something to happen that may never happen, and he may just burn a bench spot the entire year on your roster. And maybe the guy does go down, and maybe the guy does start, and he doesn't reach that potential, and you did all that for nothing. You will know week one if Tyrod Taylor is going to be somebody you want to keep on your roster or not, because you know who they're playing week one? The Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm telling you, if the Chargers start Tyrod Taylor, he's going to start the whole year. Because what is the epitome of football? What drives ticket sales? What drives coaches? What drives players? What drives money? Winning. Winning drives it all. And if Tyrod Taylor starts, they're going to beat the Bengals. They're probably going to lose to the Chiefs, but Tyrod Taylor's probably going to look pretty good because the Chiefs don't have an elite defense. He's going to look good enough. They're going to keep him in. Then they play the... Oh, shoot. I forgot. Let me look real quick. I believe it was the Dolphins. In week three, the Chargers play the Dolphins. And then they play the Tampa Bay Bucks. That's going to be a tough matchup because of Tom Brady and everything in Tampa. That's week four. And I'm pulling up the Chargers 2020 schedule right now just so I can get it for you exactly. Week three, after the Bengals, which they will beat, and the Chiefs that they will probably lose to, is the Panthers. That's right. And I do think that they're going to beat the Panthers. So you start out 2-1. Two and one, Then you probably lose to the Bucks 2-2. Two and two. Then you have the Saints probably lose that game 2-3. and three. If they keep him in after the Saints, you can call it a wrap. Because after the Saints, you got the Jets. Win. Dolphins? Win. Jaguars? Win. Raiders? Win. Broncos? Who knows? At that point, you're past halfway in the season. And you're either 5-3 and three, if you want to stop it at the Jaguars, or if you think they're going to beat the Raiders too, then they're going to be 6-3. and three. 
six and three. You think they're going to pull Tyrod Taylor? The only opportunity, if they start Tyrod Taylor, week one versus the Bengals, that they will have to pull him is after the Saints game, in my opinion. Because you're going to give him more than a couple games, right? So he's going to go off versus the Bengals. Or if anything, you guys are going to win versus the Bengals, even if he doesn't look great, but I think he will. Then the Chiefs, I think he'll look good, but you're probably going to lose that game. So you're one and one. The Panthers, they're building a good defensive line. The secondary is still pretty suspect. He'll look fine, even if uh, you guys are probably, they're probably going to win that game because their defense is elite, and I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be able to do much against them. So now they're two and one. The Bucks is going to be a tough matchup. I think they probably lose that. They're two and two. And then this will be the only time you have a losing record is after the Saints because the Saints probably beat you and you're two and three. That's the only spot that I can picture them pulling out Tyrod Taylor because they're not going to lose to the Jets. They're not going to lose to the Dolphins. They're not going to lose to the Jaguars. You got to remember the Jaguars lost a lot of defensive pieces. Yannick Ngakwe is still not on another team, but he's probably not going to want to play for the Jaguars. So at that point, you're halfway through the season, you're five and three. You're not going to be able to pull Tyrod and put in Herbert when you're already, when you have a winning record, especially, especially just locker room culture. You can't do that to a locker room. You know, they're going to get behind Tyrod. If Tyrod is winning them games, everyone's going to be supporting him. Everyone's going to be behind him. So all of this that I've said has basically been me recently, at least with the schedule and stuff like that, building my case for why I think Tyrod is going to start all season. Because I think with an elite defense, the weapons he has, the better offensive line, Austin Eckler, all of that stuff, no turnovers. I mean, Tyrod's going to have one of be among the league leaders in how little turnovers he has. I don't see how they're not going to have a winning record. I really don't. I really, really don't. And I, I want you to pull up the schedule for yourself if you want. And you want to look at the rest because I'm not going to go over the whole schedule. But... I really don't think that they're going to have a losing record. And so now I'm going to flip back over to my notes so we can continue this. Here's another crazy thing about what happened in Buffalo. So remember I told you if he played 16 games, he would have been the QB5, the QB6, and the QB14. That's great numbers. That's more consistent than most quarterbacks. Most quarterbacks are not going to be a QB1 every season, especially that high of a QB1 in their career. So he's already ahead of the game. In that department. Here's something that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Bonkers. In those seasons in Buffalo, if he played all 16 games, this is how many times he would have passed the ball each season. 434. 465. And 448. The most pass attempts he was ever on pace on, or on pace for, was 465 with an average of 449 in those three seasons. He averaged 449 passes. That's in the bottom five among the league, and yet he was a top 10 quarterback two of those three years. That's ridiculous. Frankly, it's ridiculous. And you know how many times the Chargers threw the ball last year? 597. If Tyrod Taylor threw the ball 597 times, he would be the quarterback one. Because you have your 500 rushing yards. You have your five rushing touchdowns. You take his average, his average passing stats and put them over 600 passes, 597 passes, and add that to his rushing, that's a quarterback one. The only person that matches him in rushing is Kyler Murray, 
Cam Newton when he's healthy, and Lamar Jackson. Oh, and Josh Allen as well. Well, he would have better passing numbers than Josh Allen. He would have near better passing numbers. Well, if he threw the ball 600 times, he would have better passing numbers than Kyler because Kyler's not going to throw that much. And if he does, then that's going to be great because I love Kyler this year. Um, And obviously, Lamar throws the ball barely over 400 times. So even though Lamar would have significantly more rushing, having almost 200 pass attempts more than Lamar, Tyrod would be the quarterback one. Because I don't think Lamar's going to be 30 points a game again this year. He's probably going to regress probably to 75%, 80% of what he was last year. He's probably going to be around 24 points per game. I haven't projected the Ravens yet, so... I, that's why I can't give you like my exact projections for Lamar, but I already can tell you there's no way I'm going to be have him projected for more than like 25 points a game because that's just ridiculous. So you're telling me that if Tyrod was a starter last year and he threw the ball as many times as Phillip Rivers, he would have been the quarterback two behind Lamar's insane season. In a regular season, he would have been a quarterback one or the quarterback one, sorry. I'm taking that in every single draft as my last pick. There's, I'm not going to get off of it. There's no taking me off of it. Because what's the risk? The risk is he's your last pick. He's on your bench. You drafted another quarterback at some point in that draft, probably another late one. That's what I do. I go two quarterbacks late at the end. And week one, worst, worst case scenario, week one, Chargers announced they're drafting Justin Herbert. Guess what? Tyrod Taylor was your last pick. Drop him and pick up whoever off the waiver wire was going to be your last pick because they're going to be on the waiver wire. There you go. You lost nothing. Best case scenario. They start Tyrod Taylor week one. You decide to listen to me. Take a chance and put him in your lineup. He gives you 30 points versus the Bengals. Looks great. Then plays the Chiefs. The Chiefs put up a whole bunch of points on the Chargers. The Chargers try to keep up. Tyrod Taylor drops another 30-point game. Then they play the Panthers. Tyrod puts in a 25-point game. Then they play the Bucks. Tom Brady's going nuts. Tossing touchdowns to Mike Evans, Robert Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, Chris Godwin. Tyra Taylor tries to keep up, gives you 25 points again. Very possible. Very possible. People want to go back and look at, oh, well, what about the Browns? That's more recent than the Bills. What, what happened with the Browns? What do you mean what happened with the Browns? He had just got there. He was new to the team. He only played two games. You can't expect a quarterback to look good. In two games in a new organization with new players, and you can't, you just can't expect them to be good to look good like that. And then he got hurt in the third game, and then they didn't put him back in because Baker was doing really well. Obviously, they're not going to pull their rookie quarterback who's doing well and just won them their first game in two years, right? So, I mean, forget about honestly, just forget about Cleveland because there's nothing to take from that situation. At least I don't see anything to take from that situation. So we're at 22 minutes, and I'm fired up because Tyrod Taylor is going to be the king of sleepers. Oh, and I want to also tell you something um, else. Last year, I was a huge, huge draft quarterback slate. I always am. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I'm trying to get you as confident as possible in this Tyrod take. As confident as possible. So I'm going to tell you how my quarterback evaluations were last year that was probably my best evaluated position last year I had the three quarterbacks that I was drafting in every league I never drafted any quarterbacks other than these three quarterbacks last year Kyler Murray Dak Prescott Josh Allen every single one of them 
performed massively above their ADP. Every single one of them I wrote articles about. Every single one of them was a QB6 or better. And I had all of them inside my QB6. I had Kyler as my QB3. He finished QB6. I had Josh Allen as my QB5, I think. QB5 or 6. And he finished 5 or 6. And I had Dak as my 5 or 6. And Dak finished at 3. Either 2 or 3. Behind Lamar and I think Russell Wilson. So my quarterback evaluations have been pretty good. And you know who I said not to draft last year? Last year I had an article called The Case Against Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers massively underperformed from ADP. Then I had one don't draft called I think it was called Don't Draft Baker Mayfield or something. It was a case against Baker Mayfield. I didn't have Mayfield inside my top ten when he was a consensus QB five. He didn't finish in the top ten. So my quarterbacks have been pretty good. Tyra Taylor is giving you a massive floor with his rushing and you have nothing to lose. Please don't lose sight of that. You have nothing to lose. And with that said, I want to finish with what I think he's going to do this year. So the Chargers threw the ball, like I said, 900 and, or not, sorry, not 900, 597 times last year, right? And the most that Tyrod ever threw the ball was 465 times. So what do I think he's going to throw this year? Well, I told you their defense got better. And a big thing you have to remember, and so I want you to listen to this because I'm very realistic. Philip Rivers threw the ball 597 times last year because he was trying to catch up for mistakes that he did. If he didn't turn the ball over as much, their defense was still very good last year. If he did not turn the ball over so much, he would not have had to throw so much, similar to Jameis Winston. So do I think they're going to throw 597 times? No, of course not. Especially not with a quarterback like Tyrod Taylor, a decent run game, and an elite defense. I have Tyrod Taylor throwing 491 times. Right now, I have him projected for just above 20 points per game in four-point passing touchdown leagues. I only have him, this is my passing stats for him, I only have him at 65% completion rate, 2% higher than his career average in Buffalo, which with way worse weapons, 11.9 yards per completion, slightly above his yards per completion in Buffalo, despite having Keenan Allen, a great route runner who can get stuff done after the catch, Mike Williams, who had 20 yards per reception last year, and um, Hunter Henry, who's better, a better yards per target guy than Charles Clay, because Charles Clay was more of a dink and dunk kind of guy. So that's all very realistic. His completion or his career touchdown rate in Buffalo in the 3 years when he was a starter was 4.1%. I have him for 4.4% with the Chargers. Every single one of these numbers that I'm projecting in his passing metrics could be higher easily. Easily could be higher, which still gives him potential to outperform where I have him ranked. Right now, I haven't finished all my rankings. I know Lamar Jackson is going to end up higher than him, who I haven't ranked yet. Josh Allen will end up higher than him, who I have yet to rank. And Patrick Mahomes will end up higher than him. Oh, no, I already did Mahomes. I did Mahomes two days ago. So just Lamar and Josh Allen, I'm pretty sure those are the only people that are going to get in front of him out of everyone that I've done to this point. So he is going to end up in my top 12 quarterbacks in fantasy this year, and he still has room to grow. And I projected... 521 rushing yards for him. Remember his 
average was 573. I projected 521. His average was five touchdowns. I gave him those five touchdowns back again this year. So overall, I think Tyrod's going to have the best passing season that he's ever had, which makes complete sense. And I don't think he's going to lose that job. Tyrod's not going to lose the job. So the only way Tyrod doesn't start is if he never gets the chance to. So if they start in week one, Tyrod Taylor is a guy you want in your lineup. If you've listened to this point, congratulations, mad respect. Um, And I really hope, I mean, you've listened to this point, so you found it interesting. So I hope that you're drafting Tyrod Taylor with your last pick in every draft. And if you're in a dynasty league and you get Justin Herbert and it's a startup, so Tyrod's not on a roster, if you get Justin Herbert, please, 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 for your own sake, please draft Tyrod Taylor because it's very plausible that they sit Justin Herbert this year. Tyrod takes them to the playoffs. They do good. They do good. And then they finally hand over the reins to Justin Herbert, especially with everything going on. Justin Herbert's not, you know, he has a lot of catching up to do. He doesn't have a full regular offseason to learn all the plays and all of that good stuff, all the schemes and everything. And Tyrod Taylor already did all of that last year. And I actually read like a 10-page, 10 or so page article about Tyrod Taylor and things that he's learned with the Chargers and things that he is just waiting to unleash in the game. So that's it. That's my case for Tyrod Taylor. Sorry, I know I was like 15, 20 minutes, but... You saw the length of the podcast when you started it, so I don't really feel bad. We're at 30 minutes. So that's the verdict. Tyrod is madly undervalued. Go draft him. Thanks for listening to Deep Dive Fantasy Football. I hope you guys have a good day. I hope you crush it in your drafts. Remember, you always can message me. I'm very, very good at responding. Um, And if you ever have any questions, you ask me something interesting, I'll include it on the podcast. I want to try and start doing that more often. That's it for me today. Have a good one.